Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew preaches part three of this mini-sermon series, Reality versus Fantasy, with this message entitled, Our Sovereign God. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Revelations chapter four. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a postmodern era when people love to lie and make up their own reality. Truth is seen in human mind, creative human mind. Truth is seen as having no objective reality. May we see reality, the throne of God, above all thrones of this earth, there is the throne of God that governs all things of this universe. There is nothing happening in this world without your rule, your will, your purpose, your plan, which you purposed before the creation of the world. Therefore, O God, open our hearts, open our minds, fill us with the Holy Spirit that we may see ultimate reality in your holy word, that the truth may deliver us from lies that we make up. Truth may transform us, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our sovereign God, he is reality. So we are talking about reality versus human lies and fantasies. In Revelation chapter 4, John the Apostle is called by Jesus Christ to come into the throne room of God in heaven. So he could show him who rules the world. So he could show him what must take place in the future. It is like one being taken into the control tower of the busiest airport in the world. Everything about the movement of airplanes is controlled by the controller in the tower. Not Mr. Bush, nor Mr. Blair, not Mr. Bin Laden rules the world. Nor nine justices of the Supreme Court nor devil or demons. Our triune God rules the universe. So we read here John is given an opportunity to come up into heaven and see ultimate reality and centrality of the throne of God. Our universe is theocentric. We are told God by his will created ta panta, all things. The smallest particle, the largest star, and every living thing. He created it, he owns it, he rules it. Someone said Revelation 4 represents the heart of the universe. The heart of meaning, the heart of history. History is meaningless without this perspective from heaven. History is meaningless and all search for origin is 
futile without this chapter. It is this chapter that inspired Handel to produce the Messiah. Everything that happens in the world, everything that happens in history is based on the will of the one who is seated on the throne in heaven. Jesus opened for John heaven. He became in the spirit which made him able to go into heaven and receive a revelation of what must take place hereafter. Not what may, what must, because these are ordained by God to take place. What must take place in the future by the will of the sovereign God. Then he is to write this revelation and send it to all churches for the comfort of true believers. The church must know that though the world may hate you, arrest you, and kill you, as it was revealed by Christ himself to the believers of the church of Smyrna, such things happen only by the will of God, and that the physical death of God's people cannot separate them from eternal life, but only assist them to enjoy this eternal life the more in God's presence. So first, let us take a look at the throne of God. The first thing John sees in heaven is the throne of God. It's interesting, the word throne appears 13 times in this chapter alone. It is in the center of heaven, and it is the central reality. I ask the question, why are you anxious? Why are you worried? Jesus is also calling you to come up here and view the throne of God, and you shall have rest for your souls. In the spirit, understand, no matter what happens in your life in the world, our sovereign God is in control, and he will save you. Only believe in this reality, you shall not drown. You will not be forgotten. He shall bring you safely home to God. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. His will alone is worked out in the world. History is the outworking of his eternal will. Isaiah therefore tells us, I make known the end from the beginning. That is, the Lord makes known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. When we speak about thrones, we read in Revelation, there is a throne of Satan. Chapter 2 and verse 13. Satan is called the prince of this world. Jesus called him so, John 12 verse 31. He is called the God of this world. St. Paul said so. And he desires worship. He even tempted our Lord Jesus Christ to worship him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Satan is called the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And as I said, we see that he is seated on a throne. 
in chapter 2 and verse 13 of Revelation. Yet I want you to know he is a creature. He is under the rule of our sovereign God. And the powers granted to him are granted to him by sovereign God. And he shall be judged and cast into the lake of fire by our sovereign God. And we read this in 20th chapter and verse 10. Of course, when we speak about thrones, we see the thrones of Caesars and Pharaohs and other rulers of this world. All authorities of this world function, let me tell you, under our sovereign God. He sets up kings and he puts them down. No one is sovereign. Our God alone is sovereign. And he does what he pleases and when he pleases. So we read about the rise and fall of empires. In the home, he gives authority to parents. In the church, he gives authority to elders. In the state, he gives authority to rulers. All authorities are therefore delegated, not self-originated. God alone is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He alone is the king of kings and lord of lords. Therefore Jesus told Pilate, the Roman governor, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So let's look at God's throne in chapter 4 of Revelation. Jesus shows John God's throne the only source of all authority in the world. There is no competing authority in the world. There is no equal ultimacy of both good and evil. It is the central reality in heaven, this throne. God's rule, God, God's rule is central. You ignore God's rule at your own peril. Somebody told me his father is sick, an old man. He had all the opportunity in the world to hear the gospel. He's a rebel. And soon he will experience ultimate reality. And everyone who rejects this authority will face him. Those who run away from him are running to him. There is no place you can run and hide from our sovereign God. We read about throne about 37 times in the book of Revelation, which is the central theme. What is happening on earth depends upon what is happening in the throne room of God. Do you bow before this sovereign God? Do you believe in him? Do you regulate your life according to his will revealed in the scriptures? Do you trust in his sovereign son, Jesus Christ? Repent, for the kingdom of God has come in Jesus Christ. If not, you are an enemy of God, and God is an enemy to you. He is at war with every rebel, and he shall win this war, which is the disclosure in this book to us. Though John sees the throne, he does not describe the one seated on the throne. You begin to wonder why is he not describing him? Because 
God is incomprehensible and indescribable mystery. There is a great mystery about this great God we are talking about. He can only describe him in terms of his radiance. We are told then he had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Jasper speaks of brilliance. Turn with me to 104th Psalm. Psalm 104. And we read, Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light. As with a garment, he stretches out the heavens like a tent. Wraps himself in light. Turn to First Timothy chapter 6. Let me read from verse 15. God the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. There is Jasper, there is Carnelian, which is red in color. It may speak of God's justice and judgment. Then we are told a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Rainbow speaks of God's covenant faithfulness. This rainbow has only one color, green. It speaks of mercy. Though God is all holy, though God is judge, thanks be to God, he is also merciful. He has attendants and cabinet ministers. Encircling him are four living creatures, angelic beings, who guard the throne and execute his will with eagerness. This is why we say in the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God speaks, angels execute his will in heaven. There's 24 elders also surround the throne of God. There are questions about the identity of these elders. Who are they? And I agree with a number of scholars along with Spurgeon that they represent the people of God of all times, the church of God of all ages. And if you turn to the book of Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9 in a different Greek text which you find in King James Version, you will read in this manner. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because, this is the statement of the uh, 24 elders, and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased you read in NIV, men to God, but in another text, us to God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made us to be kingdom of priests, to serve our God, and, and so on. We do not read of angels in scriptures seated or crowned with crowns. Here we are told about 24 elders dressed in white, seated on a throne and with gold crown on their heads. 
and this is our destiny. Let's turn to some scriptures. Chapter 3 of Revelation and verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. We are destined. And even now we are seated with Christ. We are destined to sit on a throne with the crowns on our heads to rule and reign with Christ. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You're already seated with Christ. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, that the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's our destiny. What are you mourning about? Anxious about, fearful about? All our worries and fear and anxiety, they are an affront to the sovereign God. It reveals our lack of trust in his ability to save us. First Corinthians chapter 6. Here St. Paul tells us our destiny. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? The world is ours. The meek shall inherit the earth, not the wicked. We inherit the earth. So we also read of one throne where God is seated. And we read that it is the same throne on which Christ is seated. And we are told that it is the same throne on which God's people are seated. One authority, one throne. And you read this, Revelation 3.21 and Revelation 22.1. And we also read about throne in, in terms of Christ when he comes again. In Matthew 25, if you turn with me, you will see what will happen at the end of the ages. There is, a, there is going to be a great judgment. And all judgment is given to Jesus Christ. And all these old people and young people who rejected him and spat on him will be judged by him. And we read Matthew 25 verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. He has all authority. In heavenly glory all nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separate the sheep from the goats. And he will say, verse 41, to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And you read about that in the 20th chapter, the great white throne judgment and verse 46 then they will go away to eternal punishment that old man 81 years of age 
he sucked up all common grace from God only to spit on him and he will die he'll be cut down why do you come from the ground die and enter into reality and notice then they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life and people come and speak to you about the gospel about this reality revealed to us from heaven and most laugh at it they are shriveled up and they are about to die good riddance and take a look chapter 4 of Revelation and verse 5 what is happening from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. What is going on here? And you turn to Exodus 19 and verse 16, where we read the same phenomenon. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. And you read Revelation 8, 5, 11, 19, 16, 18. You hear about this thunder and lightning. It is speaking about the execution of divine judgment upon all his enemies. Do you hear, if you are unbelieving in him, do you hear his thunder, his lightning, about to pour out his judgment? He is a holy God and he must judge. Hear that thunder and run to Jesus Christ to be saved. There is thunder, there is lightning. It's about to do something. What must take place hereafter is disclosed to us from chapter 6 on. Do you tremble when you think about this God? Psalm 2 tells us rejoice with trembling. It's not your body is sovereign God who has all authority in heaven and on earth and we are told in verse 5 of chapter 4 before the throne seven lamps seven spirits the spirit of God in his fullness shining and we also see Jesus in chapter 5 and verse 6 you see Jesus then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. In other words, in the center of the throne is the triune God. And the angelic beings, and the 24 elders, and so on. Oh, they are around this reality of the throne of the triune God. What are these people doing? That's the second point. They are worshipping. That's what they do in heaven. They worship him. Night and day they worship him. There are 20 songs in the book of Revelation. And we are introduced to a few in chapter 4 and 5. Take a look at verse 8 of chapter 4. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and so on. Day and night, they never stop saying, Hagios, 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 Kurios, Hoteos, Ho Pantocrator, Ho En Kai, Ho On Kai, Ho Erkomenos. 
holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. 24-7 worship. But notice, emphasis is placed on God's holiness. Holy means separateness from all creation in God's being and in God's character. His thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways his ways. God is holy other in being and in nature. Keep that in mind. Therefore, the first hymn in the Bible and the last hymn in the Bible both speak about his holiness. And you find the first hymn in Exodus 15 and verse 11. And the last hymn in Revelation 5 and verse 4. And you could go home and read it. When Isaiah saw the Holy One seated on his throne, he heard seraph singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. What do you see in the world? What is the greatest reality that you see in the world? Do you see the glory of God filling the earth? So in verse 8, John hears these angels singing. Holy, holy, holy Lord God. Pantocrator, all ruler, that's what it means, all ruler. He rules every reality in his universe. Yes. And he rules you. It is stupid not to understand this reality. It is sheer blindness, as we read in the psalm. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They fall down and worship Thrice holy God. He is Lord. He is God. He is all ruler. Who was and is and is to come. Means the eternal one. The one who lives forevermore. Let me ask you. Are you impressed. By this revelation. By God's holiness. God's sovereignty. God's eternity. If so then. The only one thing is required. Fall down and worship him and there is coming a time every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father and if you see him you will not stand you will not sit you will fall down and worship him acknowledge him that he is holy and he is God he is Lord he is eternal one he is judge and then we read 24 elders worship too. Verse 10 and 11. They fall down before him and worship him. They were seated on, on a throne. They were dressed in white. They had golden crowns. But now they get up from their thrones. They fall down before him. They removed their crown and laid before him. What do you have that you have not received? They worship him. They prostrate themselves before him who is seated on the throne. And acknowledge his worth. Worship means to acknowledge the worth of someone. Worship is acknowledging the worth of the all glorious one triune God. 
And so the elders confess what? Axios, thou art worthy. Take a look at it. Verse 11, you are worthy. What does it mean? It means you alone are worthy. Because you alone are God. You alone are Savior. You alone are Creator. You alone own all things, control all things. You are worthy. Not creation. Not angels. Holy angels refuse worship. They are not to worship the devil. Even though every unbeliever worships the devil. They are not to worship Hollywood stars or sports stars. They are not to worship the wealthy. And you read Romans 1.25, the unbelievers worship creation rather than creator who is blessed forever. You are worthy. Then it says, our Lord and God. Do you confess him? Can you say, my Lord and my God? Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? And you say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. When we worship God, we acknowledge his glory, honor and his power. In our singing, in our prayer, and in our giving. You know, some people don't take offering in the church. They, they have, they have a, a place in the back somewhere. And I had to send money to a person who has been sick. He's the pastor. They, they never had anything to give it to him. <laughs> and so the, the state government and Pastor Matthew took care of it. No, 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 no. You are to worship him with your money. When you put money in, you are worshiping the true and living God who gave you everything. In our singing, in our prayer, in our giving, in our preaching, in our hearing the word, in our service to him, we worship God. And we are saying, you are worthy, Lord God, to receive glory, honor, and power. And then the reason for all is given here. Why? Why do you worship? For, because God is almighty. Because you created tapanta, all things. All things. All things. Nothing excluded. Visible. Invisible. So it's the largest star and smallest particle and every living thing. His sovereignty is all comprehensive. This means what? Things did not evolve into existence out of nothing. God freely, not by necessity, created all things. By his will, out of nothing, he brought into existence everything that exists. Because he's almighty and all wise because he is the creator of all things he is the ruler and owner of all things including yours he owns you therefore all things must worship and serve him only this means creation is not eternal only by God's will they have being they are contingent beings God alone is eternal self-existing, self-sufficient God. Turn with me to Psalm 90. Let me read some sense to us. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust. 
saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. Verse 5, You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. Brothers and sisters, if this is so, if this universe theocentric, if God on his throne is ruling all aspects of the universe, let us worship God. He is almighty, creator and ruler of all. He is a great God. He is incomprehensible in his being and in his way. Let's worship God because he alone is glorious. Glory means weight. He alone is weighty. Compared to him, we are all chaff and grass and mist and nothings. And God receives glory when we worship him, when we confess him, when we witness to him. And let's worship this God because he alone is eternal. Who was and is and is to come means he is eternal. He is beyond time and beyond space. And above all, let's worship him because 24 elders said he is worthy. Creation is not worthy to be worshipped. Not even holy angels are worthy to be worshipped. And we are not worship our children. All of us must worship the triune God. Because he alone is worthy for our worship. So people of God, let us hear the call of Jesus Christ to come up into heaven. And let us enter into the ultimate reality of God's throne room. Let us view the one seated on the throne in the center of heaven. The word seated, kathemenos, is found in chapter 4, verse 2 and 3 and 9 and 10. It is in the present tense. That means he is always seated. He is always sovereign. He never loses his power and grip. He never dies. No one else can conquer him and take his throne away from him. There is no rise and fall of the kingdom of God. He is thrice holy. Yet look at the rainbow surrounding the throne. Rainbow of emerald green. Which tells you he is merciful to all who repent and believe in him. Through the Lamb of God who was dead yet lives forevermore. He is merciful in that he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all in sacrifice for our salvation. So the writer to the Hebrews exhorts us to approach what? The throne of grace with confidence, so that we receive mercy and grace to help us in time of need. And we are needy every moment. In Jesus Christ, for us, the throne of judgment has been transformed a throne of grace. Praise God. Let's praise Him. John is to see and write what must take place in the future by the will of our sovereign Lord. What is he seeing? God, who is seated on the throne, shall wage war against all his enemies and defeat them all. He shall judge them all at the great white throne judgment. He shall cast the trinity of evil and all who worship and serve the devil into the lake of fire. Oh, highly symbolic language because the reality is so deep and so complex.
I believe in an eternal hell to which God shall cast every unbeliever in Jesus Christ along with the devil and the demons. But he shall save his people. That also is revealed here. He shall dwell with them in a new heaven and a new earth. Brothers and sisters in God's sovereign will, he may permit his people to be killed by the devil, the emperors of the world, by the fury of the wicked people of the world. That is a reality. But fear not. Our sovereign God is on the throne. He has given you what? Eternal life. And you shall never perish. Turn with me to chapter 21. And let me read it to you, the first five verses. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. Let me tell you, the heart of history is the story of God's people. Everything else is background. We are the painting, everything else is background. We are the handiwork of God which he accomplishes in history. Why are you anxious and worried and confused about? And the whole history is about you. They'll be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he wrote it down. He sent it to us, so we can read it and receive great comfort. Have you confessed him as your God? And Lord and Savior, if not, I exhort you and plead with you, do so today. And those who have trusted in him, let us fall down and worship him, casting our crown before him, for what do we have? That which we have not received from him who is seated on the throne. Solid Deo Gloria. Hagios, 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 Curios Hotheos, Ho Pantocrator. Ho en kai ho hon kai ho erkomenos. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. When Handel's Messiah was first performed in London in 1743, there was somebody there. He was King George II. And he rose from his seat when he heard the Al-Hallelujah Chorus. By rising with bowed head, he was indicating, not he, but Jesus Christ alone, his King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Heavenly Father, we pray that you deliver us from all lies. Help us to see reality, the theocentric nature of the universe. We see a lot of things on this earth, Lot of authorities running around doing their thing. No, Islamo-fascists are not going to destroy this world. 
No, homosexuals are not going to take over the world. No, 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 no. Heterosexuals are not going to take over the world either. It's not their world to take over. It's your world. Lord, help us to confess you as our God and our Savior and our Lord. Help us to fall down and worship you and live the rest of our life in service to you. That we may live with you in the new heaven and in the new earth where there is no pain, no death, no tears. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio on part three of this mini-sermon series entitled Reality versus Fantasy. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.